Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is Nani, co-host of the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And before we get started today, we want to celebrate another Pinay visionary in honor of Filipino American History Month and give a shout out to a Pinay that has been uh, nominated by Anna Did a Thing on Instagram, and her name is Ruby Abara. Jen, do you want to tell us a little bit about Ruby? I do. And uh, I also just want to give a shout out to uh, IG handle Anna Did a Thing. She tags us in like everything she does. So if you yeah. want to learn more about Anna Did a Thing, uh, just check out the show notes. But just shout out to you, girl, for engaging with us and uh, sharing your art. Uh, with us. We see you, we recognize you, and we appreciate you, you know, inviting us to be part of your journey as an artist. So thank you so much for that. So Ruby Ibarra, I have learned about her for the first time this year. And uh, I don't know how I ended up hearing about her. I'm sure it was through the grapevine or like someone, you know, probably tagged the Filipino American woman on Instagram. And that's how I heard of her. But I had decided to listen to her music and oh my goodness, she is a powerhouse. So uh, if you don't know Ruby Ibarra, and if you, if you really don't know, you better look her up <laughs> because uh, she's a Bay, Bay Area rapper, producer, and she does spoken word. Her most popular song right now is called Us, which is about cultural heritage and and her immigrant experience in the United States. Uh, so Nani and I, we are learning about these women as we go. So part of that also means doing a Google search of them. So let me go ahead and just pull up her bio real quick for you if uh, you are hearing about Ruby Ibarra for the first time. So Ruby was born in the Philippines. Uh, she spent the first four years of her life in Tacloban City before her family eventually settled in San Lorenzo, California. She uh, submerged in the melting pot of the Bay Area Ruby's adolescent years introduced her to a wide array of cultures, experiences, and most importantly, hip-hop, which resonated at every corner of her neighborhood. She's known for her sharp lyricism and rhythmic, multi-syllabic flows. She attributes her musical identity to being a child during the 90s, constantly hearing Tupac, Eminem, and Wu-Tang Clan play on the radio and television. And she constantly knew rap was the best way she could express herself. And let me tell you, when I listened to her music it's not child's play. Like it, you, you have to like yeah. really listen to like, if you really pay attention, she's talking about real stuff and stuff that yeah. is very relevant to the Filipino American community. Nani, yeah. anything you want to add to that? I'm seconding everything that you're saying. I also just recently started listening to her music and I know that's bad because I'm from Oakland and I should have been familiar with her sooner, but I second everything that you're saying about her music and really love her lyrics. Awesome. So if you want to learn more about Ruby, uh, shout out to you, Ruby. I uh, aspire to have you on our show. <laughs> yeah. So listeners, if you can, I don't know, get her attention and say, Go hey, we'd love Ruby to have on you. Instagram. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's all, let's all spam Ruby. And I mean, appropriately and nicely. Don't don't overdo it. Don't abuse her or harass her or anything. Please don't do that. But yeah, we would love to have her on the show. I know a uh, shout out to my friend, Leia Lombos. She had recently coordinated an event in San Diego in which they brought out Ruby Abara. And that's where she she like performed over there. Um, so yeah, we would love uh, just shout out to you. Um, the cool thing about 
our Panay visionaries that we've been talking about so far on the show, these people are living, breathing women today. Like this is not women we're talking about like, you know, centuries ago. These are women. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. These are women who are alive and kicking it and, and doing good today. So please check them out, reach out to them and just applaud them for the work that they're doing. Because I think we all know, or we all have gathered um, as Filipino American women that, you know, anytime we put ourselves out there is really a, a courageous act. If you're kind of like basing our identity with the Maria Clara archetype. So shout out to you, Ruby. Totally recommend our, our listeners uh, reach out to her or like l- listen to her music at least. And with that said, if you uh, have a Panay visionary, if you know someone that you consider a Panay visionary, uh, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us. You can check out our show notes on how to do that. Please share the name and also a brief description. It'll be very helpful for us because otherwise we're going to do a Google search of them. <laughs> um, But yes, please reach out and give us a description as to why you consider this Filipina-American woman a Panay visionary. And we'll be more than happy to feature them on in the next episode and give you a shout out for doing that. All right. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and get started on our episode. Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And as always, I'm with my co-host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Hello. And uh, as always, we once again have an amazing woman to feature on our show today, Marjorie Ware. She is a first-generation Filipino slash white woman, marriage and family therapist in Washington State, and Enneagram nerd Marjorie Ware. She holds a Master of Counseling from St. Martin's University with a specialization in marriage and family therapy. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist associate and a licensed mental health counselor associate. Marjorie is a member of the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapy and a member of the American Counseling Association. Her experience includes working at a child study and treatment center in Lakewood, Washington as a psychiatric child care counselor for five years, and two years working with adolescents as a mental health technician. Her true passion is to specialize in working with individuals, couples, and families in private practice, working on a range of issues, including depression, trauma, anti-oppression, anger management, identity work, and existentialism. Also, fun fact about Marjorie is she is fluent in Tagalog and a therapist for women X of color. Marjorie Ware, welcome to the show. Hi, I sound so fancy suddenly with that description. I was like, I've never had it read out loud to me before. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, one time we had one of our first live events for the Filipino American Women Project back in 2018. It was for Filipino American Heritage Month, which is actually coming up in October. And I had this like long bio and I've never had anyone read it out loud before, but I was reading the bios of the people that were on the panel with me. And then one of them was like, let me read your bio for you. Like, let me introduce you in front of everyone for you. Cause I was just going to read my bio myself. So then yeah. they ended up reading it and I was like, wow, it, it's out. Is that me? Like, <laughs> that's me. You're like, damn, I that's sound exactly good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, sweet. Like I, I sound great. And I wrote that, you know, but it doesn't yeah. sound like I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, why don't we start Marjorie with you sharing? How did you hear about the project and what inspired you to come on our show today and share your story? So I heard about the project on, well, I saw the project on Instagram. I was looking at, it was a Filipino podcast and they had somehow put you in the story. And I was like, what is this Filipino American woman project? I'm those things and I'm going to go check <laughs> it out. So I clicked on the page and I was like, wait, whoa, this is super cool. And I have been a big fan of podcasts in general because I drive, my drive to work is 30 minutes. That I try to find podcasts to listen to and I looked into it more and it was in the middle of the night I think is when I was like you know what fuck this I'm gonna just message and see what happens because I'm super interested in whatever this is <laughs> and I messaged you or the Instagram account and you got back to me like the next morning I think and I was like oh my gosh this is really cool. And then I started listening to the podcast and then I had a talk with you and that's where it all sort of started. There's that part, <laughs> but it definitely felt like this interesting. So in my world of therapy, we love talking about synchronicity and shit. So there was this uh, weird feeling where I needed to belong in the capacity of like the Filipino world here in America, which I've never really decided to join since coming here, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because like assimilation and other things are way more important to like being safe and being, pretending like you're not any of those things. So this year has sort of been like the first time where I'm like, I'm gonna not make excuses anymore or hide and, and be proud that I am half Filipino, which before I wasn't. Well, I am glad that you chose the Filipino American Woman Project to be one of those first things that you wanted to get involved with in the Filipino community. So I'm extremely mm -hmm. honored that you reached out. And I also, I, I mentioned this when we first spoke on the phone, but I just want to applaud you for like, even though you didn't know what to expect, you trusted your gut and your heart and you reached out anyway. And mm -hmm. here we are, <laughs> here we are on a show together. And I'm especially excited to speak with you because of your professional background and, and what you do. I was just telling Nani offline that my degree in college was supposed to be psychology until the first F I ever got in my life was in psychology 101. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was pretty heartbreaking for me. And also mm -hmm. my my uncle that I'm estranged with, he would say, "Oh, you want to you want to talk to crazy people? Is that what you want to do for a living?" And so yeah. I was 
I was pretty discouraged early on getting an F didn't help. And then my family didn't really help, but Mm -hmm. I've always been drawn to psychology and therapy and understanding people and their triggers and, and especially like my own. And I feel like in a lot of my own relationships, I've always kind of somehow ended up taking this a motherly role for a lot of my friends to, you know, yeah. listen to them and support them and nurture them. Yeah. And if there's anything that if I do go back to school, which I don't know if I ever will, but if I do, I would you know, <laughs> consider pursuing therapy. So or uh, being a therapist of some sort. So, so yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But yes. <laughs> Yes, we are. We are happy to uh, have you on the show. And, you know, I I feel the same way with you, uh, at least I had in the past where I would just completely remove myself from the Filipino community. Because one, I had felt unsafe, which if our listeners, if you've been listening to our past shows, I explained why I had felt unsafe in my own community. But also, I kind of just felt like inferior as as someone of Filipino descent. And so I had tried mm-hmm. to gravitate toward more, let's say, dominant uh, type cultures, especially the American culture, and, and mm-hmm. take more pride in that. And so, but obviously, even though I'm American, and I'm dark skin, and I'm never gonna not be Filipino. So I yeah. might as well embrace it in a way that's most comfortable for me, and hence how this project came about. And so I'm just really happy to hear that you kind of went on this path of assimilating, like even though you, I mean, we'll get into your story. I'm already like revealing your story, <laughs> but you had to assimilate. And then now, now that you're coming back, it's just great that you can do it with us. And we hope that we give you a great experience of the Filipino American culture out here. <laughs> Heck yeah. Cool. Yeah. So why, uh, speaking of being a Filipino American woman, uh, you kind of hinted at this when you moved here, you had to assimilate. So why don't you share with us why you identify as a Filipino American woman today? Ooh, man. Well, let's, let's see. It's kind of difficult. So I grew up in the Philippines until I was 16. So we moved here, what, 2004 now? Mm-hmm. And so in the Philippines, you know, I'm always the kana, right? So that's the white person or not the Filipino mm-hmm. person growing up in all of my classes that's just who I am I am the white woman so and of course up there or down there which where is the Philippines over uh, there they're like over there over there, <laughs> over there. <laughs> point with your mouth please yes so there my whole family which my dad was there who's white and my mom have always taught me that uh, we're not Filipino, that we're white people to me and my sister. And then, of course, all my cousins included, right? So uh, it was really ingrained in me that I was white growing up and that I will never have the same experiences as my Filipino family. So I didn't really take much into that as a child because eight, nine, ten-year-old was like, okay, whatever. I guess I'm different. It's fine. So then when we got here to America and it was time to go back to school because I would have been 16, immediately we were put into the ESL classes, which is English as a second language class, to just make sure that we can communicate properly or at least fully with people, even though we could already speak English, but it it wasn't the best. So coming into the school, 
we were put, my sister and I were put into all the classes where they're international people and they're all Korean or Japanese or whatever you have you. And we're like, wait a minute, we're not any of those people. Mm-hmm. Why are we in these classes? I'm not sure. I, I don't understand. And this is weird. And why are people like really curious about our accent and why are they really curious about like where we're from and this is so odd and then sort of subconsciously realizing I don't want to be different anymore like that was really tiring in the Philippines where I'm not them and now I'm coming here where I'm supposed to be them you know white and I'm not that either so my sister and I really well I did I was really into like oh my gosh, I want to like dye my hair blonde and then I'm going to wear blue eye contacts and I'm only going to be friends with white people and they're going to critique the way I enunciate my words. They're going to be the ones who are going to help me fully be my white self. Now, this is all obviously subconscious, but it was really, it was the only way I knew how to figure out how to belong. And I think that's ultimately been my goal in anything, because if I didn't belong there and everyone says I belong here and I'm finally here, I should belong, but I don't. Mm. Let's go, right? So I think it was very interesting that for a long time, at least until my grad school years, which I was 26, it wasn't until then that I was like, wow, I've been really not trying to be Filipino (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and I was trying to be just white and uh no one really saw me that way here (laughs) wow based on how I looked yeah so assimilation it definitely kept me uh safe not getting my feelings hurt (laughs) I think the reason why we we all do anything is either for safety or for belonging. And I think it's quite interesting that your family was very firm about you understanding that you were white and you were Mm -hmm. never going to live the life of your Filipino like relatives and peers. And so Mm -hmm. for you to be years later, for you to like, it's, it's not a, it's not a wonder that you're struggling with it. And now, only now that you're coming back to really embrace that side, Nani, I want to. I, I kind of want to check in with you and see if you had any thoughts on this. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> I mean, just because I I can say that I feel that exact same way, and not that I've had that same experience. I was born here and raised here in America, but I completely get that whole like well, you don't know where you belong and you know that you're white and you know that you're Filipina, except every time you're in one of those communities, you don't feel like you fit in and other people make you feel like you don't fit in. So it leaves you as a child or a teenager, especially at 16. I can't even imagine how I would have tried to process an experience like that, like moving to a new country and integrating into a whole new school system. That's crazy. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, I definitely learned how to, uh, what do you call it? And 
you know, sort of numb yourself to to adapt as fast as you can. So mm-hmm. there was not a whole lot of processing. We were just like, sure, sure, whatever. We're just going to do the thing. And then you sort of, at least for me, you just wake up one day realizing like you stopped thinking about you. Yeah. Wow. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how I kind of feel now is like, just looking back at even a year ago, it's kind of like I was just sitting here letting my life fly by me. But that's what I was used to is just being told what to do and and being obedient and doing it, you know. <laughs> so right. yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that, that feeling. And like I said, I think that that's the base of my whole internal struggle is exactly what you just described. Yeah, I mean, I, I clearly haven't figured it out. But I'm here with you. <laughs> I feel you. Yes, the whole point, right? Like, oh, it's actually you're not alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious because Marjorie, you mentioned that this is the year that you want to start delving into the community and getting in touch with your Filipino roots. Was there something that happened, or like a major epiphany that? happened to you where you're like I where you were like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna embrace my Filipino side now like F it I'm gonna do it oh man I guess I'm gonna have to just be truthful about this (laughs) (laughs) and and and, because it was really hard to accept that that was what was happening to me Mm -hmm. so this year I've been following a bunch of amazing Filipino women men social media and even around in my community and how much pride they had for their for our culture yeah I'm like Mm -hmm. kind of trying to get used to like owning that part and there was this one person who was so cool that I hated her Mm. for just showing up and just being like and I'm Filipino and I do this and I do that in my Filipino culture and I work to help with this and that and I was just getting so annoyed and I was like who does that like what Filipino will just like <laughs> be yeah come out there and be like this is what I do right yeah. and I was so pissed. Like I was looking at my other friends and I was like, I just, I don't get it. I don't get why I'm like upset with her for using that, for being Filipino ness. And sort of like someone started asking me, well, what is it? Why is it bothersome? And just Mm -hmm. did the whole deep question. And I was like, no, I'm not ready. (laughs) (laughs) Totally get that too. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And, and it was because I was envious. I was envious Mm -hmm. of how proud she was and that she looked the part and no one would question it. She had grown up there and been here and has done her work and knows the history. I mean, I do too, but people question it just because of like, I look a little different. Mm-hmm. as a Filipino woman and it appeared to me that she didn't have to work hard to prove herself and I was so envious of that and I was like I just want to come out and be like I am Filipino and white and I know too so that was sort of the first time when I was like oh 
because you're not doing the thing that you want me to do. You're not owning yourself. So that was sort of the start. <laughs> it was a really harsh, <laughs> harsh right. uh, awakening for me. But it must be kind of hard to try and define that for yourself when all of the environments that you're being put into, people are constantly telling you something opposing to whatever it is that whatever thought you're trying to run with right like I mean I just am thinking of my own example like in my own family they don't even call me by name they just call me white girl like every time I walk in the house hey the white girl's here or that's yeah and I mean I don't even think of it as offensive because they've done that my whole entire life like I don't even take Mm -hmm. it as offense anymore, or I never took it as offense. But when you get older and you start to like kind of catch those little things, you're like, hold on. (laughs) My blood is just as the same as your blood. Like, (laughs) why are you doing that? Yeah. 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 Why are you othering me? Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. I like that. Why are you othering me? I like that too. (laughs) That's a a really good way to sum it up. Yeah, so I can imagine that's exactly you know what what was going on with me, and and not only that, like there's another layer at least when it comes to like our families othering us. But I'm also like a fat-bodied Filipino white woman, so not only do I get like white girl, but I'm fat white girl, and it's just like all of these terms that at least like here in America you have a hard time with that and in the philippines that's that's always been our uh we can just be blunt Mm. culture it's very interesting as a therapist of like i know that our culture is about being blunt and that's how we show how we care and how can i make it so that i'm not hurt because if i don't care that you're not hurt but I care that I don't hurt. So how can I tell you, please stop? Because that makes me feel different than you. And and my sole motivation in my life is to belong, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's like this, it's very interesting, our, <laughs> our dynamics. As, and yet, that's, that's, uh, they love that we're biracial for some reason, too. I just want to thank you for being so revealing and transparent about that. I know firsthand as well of what it's like to just be envious of other people. Uh, I'll share a story. She'll never she'll never listen to this podcast, <laughs> and I won't say her name either. But there's you, know, you say that before you tell every story, <laughs> I do. just in case any of these people listen to the podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. No, it's funny. One of my one of my girlfriends uh, in actually Giselle. She was episode two, or was it two or three? I think it's episode one of those one at the beginning, Giselle Dia Diaz. She she's been telling me because she really misses me. And we send each other messages just throughout throughout the week and stuff just to check in with each other. But she was telling me like, Oh, you know, like when I miss you, I listen to the podcast show because it makes me feel like you're there with me. And um, I was like, Oh, that's so sweet. And I'm also thinking like, Oh, good thing I I haven't bashed her or anything yet. I haven't. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have, I mean, just so you know, Giselle, if you're listening, I have nothing bad to say about you. I love you so much. And I'm not just saying that because I'm like on air, but no, Giselle is an, she's amazing. She's one of, one of my sisters, like, you know, like a sister kind of a friend. And um, yeah, I just, anyway, uh, let me get to the point of this. So, <laughs> all right, Jen Amos here jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for Filipino-American-woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. <laughs> Sorry. So a couple years ago, when I in my my kind of former life of being an online marketing, I, I a business owner, I had an online marketing agency. And I had uh, run into a girl that not only was born in the same country as me, I was born in Japan of in American on American soil because my dad was in the military, mm -hmm. but she was uh, born in the same month, so we were the same signs. She uh, was dark skin like me, so she was Filipina. She was leaner and cuter than me, <laughs> and just like just has it together. And she was also like a badass bitch online. Like she had all her social media on point. Like she was invited to speak in engagements. She was basically like the, the epitome of what I thought I wanted to be for like my online marketing career. And I was so like, I was so envious that I just, I didn't block her, but I just like unfollowed her. You know, I was like, you know, this is not healthy for me. Like I can control my newsfeed and I just can't like follow her. It's just not healthy. Like she, of course she, she puts a lot of positive messaging out there, which I really hate. <laughs> She's just such a <laughs> loving person. And she puts quotes like empowered women and power women up there. <laughs> and I still couldn't stand it. And I really had to look at myself eventually, you know, when I just dropped the ego and I was like, mm -hmm. okay, what, what is she, what does she represent to me? You know? And, and I thought at that time, that I wanted to be like her. But then when I really started to unpack it, I started to realize that I no longer wanted to be in this career path of online marketing. And so, but that took me a while to get to that point. And then once I got to that, I mean, even now, I'm still not gonna follow her on social media because she'll remind me of what I failed to be <laughs> or what I think I failed to be. But I totally get that where, you know, sometimes when you're envious of someone, it's really a reflection of, something you've denied of yourself and mm -hmm. or that you 
yeah, something that you deny to yourself or something that you have been, you haven't had the courage to like pursue or become yet. And then you see someone who's doing it and killing it. And you're just like, like that should be me. <laughs> so yeah. I completely, I completely understand. And I have other like situations like that as well. And oddly enough, but maybe not oddly enough, I tend to feel that way about other Filipino women. Mm-hmm. I tend to, I, I don't know what it is. Like my, Okay, she might listen to the show, so I won't get too descriptive about her. <laughs> but I have a friend who was near my age, and it just always felt like we were competing. Like it wasn't intended, mm-hmm. but it just felt that way. And eventually I got to this place where I was like, it's just, it's just not healthy for me to be around this person. Like I appreciate like who she is and what she does and and what she says, but it's just not helping me like mentally and emotionally to like hear her and and hear her talk and her try to be an example of who she thinks everyone should be. I just can't, I just can't be around that. And so, but it also taught me about myself and what the type of people I wanted to be around as well. So anyway, uh, Nani, you have any similar, <laughs> similar uh, stories oh, yeah. yourself? Have you envied other Filipino women? I don't know if envy is the right word. I don't think that I come from a starting point of as much confidence as you guys have in yourselves to like, Mm -hmm. when I look at other Filipino women, I get really inspired and I want to like do what they're doing rather than expecting myself to have already thought of it. So I, I can't, I wouldn't use the word envy, but I mean, I'm on Instagram all day long looking at all these other Filipino women that are constantly inspiring me and keeping me engaged. Well, that's, that's healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely healthier. Yeah. Good for you, Nani. Good for you. <laughs> applause, applause, applause. <laughs> no, but no, I, I, I tend to find, I tend to draw inspiration from like people either much older than me or much younger than me. Like I, and, and just so everyone knows, like, uh, I don't, I don't know if I brought this up on the show yet, but after uh, shortly after I lost my dad, we moved from Japan to San Diego. And in my elementary years, I and middle school years, I had a tight knit group of girlfriends, two of them being Filipina. And then in, in middle school, they had decided to disband our group. Like it was we were like a group of five or something, and they decided to disband us. And then months later, they started walking around the school with their big ass Filipina group and they would confront people. Like whenever, whenever one of them heard a small rumor about them, they would bring their entire Filipino group and confront that one person and just like say shit about them. Like, and it happened to me a couple of times in middle school. So I was actually bullied by my peers that were Filipino women. And so that made it really difficult for me to like have Filipina connections. Yeah, exactly. Because It was just very catty. It was completely unnecessary what they did. And that kind of stuck with me. But part of this project, and I mentioned this many times already, if, if people have been listening to the show in chronological order, that I'm trying to rewrite my own narrative and trying to mm-hmm. craft a new story of Filipino women do get along. Filipino women want to help each other survive and thrive mm-hmm. and uplift one another. And since this project started, in 2016, it's been nothing but that. There was one circumstance, which I'll probably save for a future episode. But other than that, like, it's just been 
mainly supportive women, you know, supporting one another and just wanting to uplift yeah. one another. And I'm just glad that of all of all the things that I have gone through, that it led me to this point to be to be with you ladies today. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that just reminded me of exactly <laughs> what happened to me. And I was like, is this a thing? <laughs> is this a middle school Filipino thing? But yeah, that bullying part is very interesting. We do sort of come in groups. I was one mm-hmm. of those people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Were you uh, were you one of the bullies? What were you? <laughs> uh, it was What I side was, were you on? I was, I was sort of the weird one. I was the one who like was part of the bullyers or like the pretty Filipino girls, you know, like they put mm-hmm. me in there. But in that group, I was not. So, let me set up scenario for you. Like this is how it goes okay. down. So, it's like Okay. So in the Philippines, we don't have middle school. So it was like sophomore year in the Philippines. And I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm in the group with all the beautiful Filipino girls. And there's five of us. And we're all sitting and we're watching, like we're in mass or something because you have mass there in class in school. And there's all the popular boys behind us, like in the back seat. And the boys were like, hey, girls, turn around. And we all turn around and are like, oh, except you. Like, I was, like, the ugly duckling. <gasps> you shouldn't really be with the popular girls. I don't know why they put you there. What? <laughs> oh my they God. said that? Yes. Look, I was, so even back then, I was also called, like, who was it with that long-haired dude? Steven from Seagal. from Black Eyed Peas? Are you talking about that guy with the long hair? <laughs> no, no, no. Steven Seagal. Like, the oh. weird... American dude who has long hair and I was like what I'm so confused and then in that I was always just like made fun of or like put down and they would use me to like start rumors and then they'll tell other girls like oh no Marjorie did it and then so the group of girls would then come to me and like put me aside in the like bathroom stall and be like what the heck did you say? And we heard you did this. And I'm over here like, what? I don't understand what I just did. But yeah, it was sort of like an interesting, like middle. You're kind person. of just a scapegoat for everybody. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was sort of mine. So it was really difficult to like, do I want that again? And even coming here and I love my cousins, but I still get questioned even by them, like, mm, I get it, you, like, grew up there, and you speak Filipino, or Tagalog, and you will never know, <laughs> you'll never know what wow. it's still like to be full Filipino-American here, and I was like, I know, and that's not the goal. Yeah. The goal is, yeah, the goal is, is that we experience some sort of oppression just for the fact that we're not white, at least in race. So uh, it's, it, it's been really hard to, like, even want to be proud. And I was even embarrassed to, like, show off speaking fluent Filipino. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine crazy. as, like, an adolescent or a young kid, you would just assume that that would make give people more of a reason to make fun of you or to pick mm-hmm. at you for something. Yeah. And I was afraid of Filipino people 
saying yeah. like mm, no mm. you know like I tried to join like a Filipino group in my college or my university and they're like well and I was like I know things yeah but, you know and it was just it was so hard to like belong so that turned me off it's so it's so interesting because I mean, as far as I know, I'm I'm full uh, Filipino. My mom was from Bulacan and my dad was from Zimbales. I can never pronounce this right, but they met in like a Longapol. Oh my God. I'm sorry. What's up? Does, you, does, does your family know my family? Because I'm from Zimbales um, and my parents. I mean, if you if you um, <laughs> ask them if if they know almost like our last name. Yeah. maybe I don't know we'll have to look into it <laughs> okay, you guys sorry. both have to do I like the 23 and me now <laughs> I, I I will ask my mom I'll say do you know okay. do you know the wares like do you know them it would be Salazar because that's Salazar. what my dad is the wear okay that would be you're gonna, crazy you're gonna have to like text me like your full name later and then I'm gonna okay. go ask I'll text my mom and I'll ask her I was like do you know Marjorie <laughs> do you know her family <laughs> do you know them Wow, that's crazy, freaking small world. <laughs> I will be so mind blown, but also so excited if we were like related yeah. or at least like have like family <laughs> mutual friends kind of thing. Yeah, that would yeah. be so crazy if you guys were related. Oh my God, I would love so it. Like crazy. distant, distant cousins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like my 10th we're cousin. All cousins. <laughs> yeah, exactly, we're all cousins. <laughs> it's so, it's so true. I was just thinking, uh, well, there's two things I was thinking about. The first thing is I could only imagine those girls that mistreated you were extremely envious of you because you were white. I feel that because part of the whole colonial mentality is aspiring to be light-skinned, mm -hmm. Americanized, or what have you. And from my perspective, as someone who is dark-skinned, I remember, you know, my my mom has the papaya soaps. You know, she uses it. <laughs> Yeah. all the time she has pale skin like you can see pictures of us and she's like the total opposite of me like i'm black she's white and i remember there was a time where i was i was just trying to use papaya soap all the time because i did like track and field and i was always doing something outdoors when i was in high school so i was like really dark but i used so much of the papaya soap that i started to look orange and then eventually i had to just be like you know what this is me this is who i am however I've always been intrigued by light-skinned Filipina women without really knowing the issues that that you both went through, how difficult it is, especially if you're a mestiza. Like, although that's, at least from my upbringing, it was kind of like you, you, you both would be considered like put on a pedestal, for example, because of mm -hmm. your pale skin. And yet I never looked at it from your perspectives of like, even if you do have that, it's really not an advantage as someone like myself would think so because of all the internal struggle that both of you have to go through. Mm -hmm. And so I just, uh, I, I was very excited to just have, have the show today to kind of be sandwiched by Mestizas and, <laughs> and uh, learn, learn both of your perspectives because I don't think I've ever really delved deep into it myself to understand um, your perspective. Not that I was biased or anything. I just never had an opportunity to ask like what it's like to, how do you find belonging 
And Mm -hmm. it sounds to me that for, for both of you, it's really about assimilating to whatever is the dominant culture. And in this Mm -hmm. case, for both of you, it's the American culture. So did I, did I get that right? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't know. I need to gather my thoughts for a minute, but I think that what I hear from Marjorie and also where like kind of where my origin is, is feeling the need to prove yourself. For me, it's like, I I don't know if I'm supposed to be working to prove myself to the Filipino American community or to the white girl community. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've never Mm -hmm. identified with my white side of my family, not on, well, I guess on a cultural level, but when I was younger, I, I couldn't really understand why I couldn't make that connection with them. And even like up until her dying day, my mom's mom, my grandma on my mom's side would ask me every single time I saw her. And mind you, she was in my life like just as much as my other grandma. Like I had a very close relationship with her. And still every time I would see her, she would ask me, do you feel related to us the way you feel related to your dad's family? Mm. And I was just like, <laughs> That question used to frustrate me so much because I was like, grandma, I love you. You're, you know what I mean? I didn't choose you. I'm, you're my grandma. Like I, I'm here and I love you. And I spend as much time with you as I do with my dad's family. I don't know what you want me to do here. Like what, what do you Mm -hmm. need me to show you for you to not feel like that? But then on my dad's side, it's like, I may feel I belong there, but they sometimes make me feel like I don't. You know, like the example last week, we had family from the Philippines visiting in town. And when I got there, everyone's like, oh, the white girl's here. And so they're asking me questions about what I do and what I'm into. And somehow it came up that I have snakes as pets. I don't know if I told you that, Jen. Before, I've seen it I in have... your stories. That's so oh. badass, by the way. <laughs> I've <laughs> always loved snakes. They're like my favorite animals for some reason. So I have two and that came up and everybody was like, oh, like freaked out. And they were making a joke like, yeah, it's the half non-Filipina that that is the crazy one that likes snakes and is into weird Mm. stuff. And it's just kind of like, oh, my God, I'm 27 years old. Like when (laughs) when are we going to stop this little game? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, ladies. I. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of speechless. I'm just I'm just grateful to hear both of your perspectives on on this. And I wish I had like more words to say, or like words of encouragement. Other than I feel like part of what this project, the Filipino American Woman Project is about is reclaiming our narrative and mm-hmm. not letting other people's narratives of us dominate like our own narratives. And so mm-hmm. I just want to thank you both for exploring that together and with me and with the show because it's not easy <laughs> it's it's not easy and mm-hmm. it's real and I know that you both live with that confusion every day and uh it just it gives me more perspective as well so I I really want to thank you both for sharing sharing that both of your perspectives <laughs> yeah. I do have one question for Marjorie if I can interject yes yeah, so what is that like for you being a therapist and helping other people with these kinds of these same kinds of struggles and, and feelings? What is that like for you to have a client come to you and kind of speak your story and tell you how they feel, which 
seems to be identical to how do you, how you feel. Hmm. Oh man. So what's it like for them to come in? Well, have you ever watched Selena? You know, I have not. Movie. Oh, Selena man. with um, no, Jennifer Lopez. I haven't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a part where she is like driving somewhere to a concert to speak, and everyone's like, "You need to speak Spanish." And she goes, oh, I'm just so tired because, like, when I'm with my Mexicans, I'm not Mexican enough. And with my white people, I'm not white enough. And, like, when people say that, it's, like, it's always, it's just continually validating to hear people have the same struggle. And then also sort of getting annoyed because it's actually so, so common for people to be biracial and multiracial. Mm-hmm. And somehow, and we make up majority of the world uh, of having being mixed race and just sort of annoyed that the world has not caught up to that place that we're the majority mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're here still struggling to belong or to to just sort of feel accepted. Or just who we are so I think when I see them I get annoyed at the world ultimately for like all the systemic oppression and why it still does the thing and it continues on and no one else can do it unless everyone does the thing so but I I think in that I have the gift of complete understanding which normally you know in therapy I will never know everyone's experience but when it comes to biracial and multiracial clients, I can definitely sit in that space of pain uh, and and hold it and sort of heal together in those sessions, which is really cool and powerful. And I think if it weren't me being a therapist, I wouldn't know how to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think that yeah, being a therapist is weird. <laughs> yeah I don't know if that answered your question Nani but yeah no it did and I and I also love what you said about mixed kids and how we are becoming the majority now Mm -hmm. I think we're living in a really weird time where we're witnessing that kind of shift or at least starting to witness that that shift that will hopefully continue to happen where people will recognize that Mhm. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's having babies with other races. It's not right. Everyone is mixed before. these days. It's like, yeah. yeah. And so I did like this 23andMe, mm-hmm. like the DNA test, and obviously it's 50/50. And in my South Asian part, it had multiple types of Asians, and like, mm. I was like. Filipinos are like literally the most multiracial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like even when you try to trace back, it just gets more confusing. <laughs> it gets more confusing. And I'm just like, oh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's also very interesting. It's just fun watching it though. <laughs> Would you ever be interested in moving your practice to back to the Philippines? You know, probably not, one, because I think 
it would be difficult to make a living mm-hmm. there. Because of the stigma me. against therapy or because mm, like just the, the wage difference? Those two things. Although yeah. this year I am noticing that in the news that uh, they're making sure to talk more about that and okay. going to psychologists and therapists. It's cute. You guys should look it up of like little YouTube clippets of like role plays that Filipinos do when they go to therapy. It's very cute. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very cute. And I was like, oh, I mean, that's, that's exactly what we do. But yes, it would be that. And I, I I think I like the America family that I have here. It'd be difficult to mm-hmm. you know, say goodbye to, for sure. I'll just see all the Filipinos here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to believe, ladies, that we are in the forefront of embracing whatever it is we're trying to figure out. Because I know and I bet that there's a lot of our listeners who just can't put into words what we're trying to explain ourselves. And I believe that we're we're all coming together to figure this out. And it couldn't have been at a better time. I think in any other place in the world, we wouldn't have the same opportunity. And so as complicated as it is, I think I personally feel very grateful that we do have freedom of speech here. And we have the freedom Mm -hmm. to explore this and to question things and to stand against things and stand for things, even if we're not clear at clear about it, like at all, just just kind of like just like how Marjorie, like, you reached out. And you're like, I don't know what I'm going to say to her, but I'm going to reach out anyway. (laughs) Like, somehow that gut feeling that that spirit is I think that's going to, like, that's going to attract other people who have that feeling too who can't explain mm-hmm. it, but they know it's there. And I think together we'll figure out what that is. This this confusion of Filipinos in, in the diaspora and how complicated it is. Because by the time our, our uh, listeners listen to this episode, they probably would have already listened to JL's episode. And JL uh, Umipig was talking about in her show how not all Filipinos identify as Filipinos, especially mm-hmm. the ones that were not colonized. They identify with their indigenous heritage more than, you know, even even to be called Filipino. And so it is, I think, I think the reason why we have this burden in a way is it's really a gift as hard as it is to see that it's a gift for us to make something good out of it. And yeah. whatever that turns out to be like, who knows? But I, I would love to, I'd love to believe that we're headed in the right direction because we're talking about it in a safe space with each other. And I really think that's the start of it is acknowledging it. I, it's like, I'm sure you say this to your clients, you know, the, in order to solve a problem, you need to identify what the problem is first. And mm-hmm. for us, we are identifying this, this problem that some people think we're not Filipino enough, we're not white enough, we're not American enough, we're not whatever enough. We're just not enough. <laughs> we're just not yeah. enough. <laughs> that is the bottom line. <laughs> yeah, we're just mm-hmm. not enough. And but we're here to say we are enough. Yeah. And we're yeah. we're reclaiming our narrative. We don't know how we're gonna write it out, but we're doing it. And yeah. and that's what matters. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that's, I guess, what I wanted to say earlier about feeling the need to prove yourself 
to a community or to a family or whoever it is you feel the need to people that you follow on Instagram, whoever it is that you feel the need to prove to is why I started getting super involved in the Instagram community and volunteering and doing things like that. But in that, which I hope happens for you as well, as you start to kind of explore here, I've found a lot of healing where I didn't expect mm -hmm. to. So mm -hmm. I hope that that's your experience as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I think you're going to have to come on the show more often, Marjorie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to do check-ins. <laughs> yes, yes. We're going to have to do like maybe every like five or 10 episodes, we need to just have you on. We're like, okay, Marjorie, how you doing? How's, 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 your, narr how's your narrative going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Start busting out my paper like, here, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah. Let me not get that, my bio. <laughs> yeah. Not not that I've figured it out either. I'm still trying to figure this shit out too. So but it's it yeah. maybe we can like come back with our notes and be like, oh, this is what I learned about myself in the last couple of weeks. But I, I love it. And I'm I'm glad that we're having this conversation, even if it feels like there's no conclusion or anything, because that is that is part of our experience is this kind of rediscovery and reclaiming our narrative. It's it's not easy because we think about all the narratives that have been kind of shoved down our throat and we need to kind of uh, throw that all up. We need to stick our fingers down our throat and just throw it up <laughs> and eat, eat, eat something better, eat something better, eat something healthier. Yeah. And really just, and, and this is not to bash people who have kind of forced or unknowingly forced this narrative on us. It's more so yeah. to just like honor them because I think about like where I currently live, I'm told that in Virginia Beach, there's a lot of Filipinos here, but I haven't ran into any of them yet. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm trying to hide or anything, but the majority of the people that I tend to be around is is mainly like the the white community. And yeah. I, when people ask me stuff like, where are you from? I've come to realize that you know, they're really asking out of curiosity and they're trying to find a way to relate to you or at least relate to me. And I, for what it's worth, like I, I let that count. Um, I'm just like, you know, at least like they're, they're, they're not maliciously trying to say something or trying to hurt my feelings. Like they're just genuinely curious or genuinely, genuinely trying to find a connection with me. And that's, that's something because, you know, I am not white. So yeah, of course they're going to ask those questions. Not that I ask white people, like, where are you from? You know, <laughs> like, I, <Tell> me. Um, <laughs> maybe you I, should. I've actually done that. <laughs> I've done that before, actually. So, so back, back in the day before I met my husband, I was, when I was dating, there was this one guy I was dating and he, and he was all like, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from blah, blah, blah. And I was like, where are you from? And he was all like, he genuinely like thought about it. He's like, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, good for you. That didn't work the way yeah. I was trying to, but okay. I was, I was trying to like show what it feels like to have someone ask you. You were trying to other him you know, and he to... wasn't getting it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, other, exactly. I was trying to other a white person, a white man, a straight white man. And straight white men will never, I think, ever, 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 ever understand what it's like no. to be an other ever, 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 ever. <laughs> Yes, and I'm saying this, and I'm saying this, uh, having a, a white husband myself, you will never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever understand. And so lucky me, he just tends to do everything I tell him to do. And that's fine Perfect. with me. <laughs> when it, when it comes down to it. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, I want to go ahead. I want to go ahead and um, yeah. shift gears. And we were talking a little bit about what you do today, Marjorie. So I wanted to mm-hmm. go ahead and transition into that. For people who don't know you or getting to know you, why don't you share a little bit about a snapshot of your life today, particularly what keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays? Okay, cool. So I work full time at a nonprofit organization called Hope Sparks here in Tacoma, Washington. And I primarily work with children there, family services, with kids who have behavioral issues, or oftentimes that looks like couples counseling for the parents, whether they want to or not. And oh, your child's having issues, come see me. I'm seeing you, not the child. Right, um, right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get lucky and see uh, women of color, which are my favorite clients or my ideal clients. And we get to do deep, amazing work about oppression and patriarchy and sexism and racism. And it's my favorite kind mm-hmm. to like empower women that way. Uh, sometimes a little bit of domestic violence work as well and then sexual assault for children which is the worst part to hear wow i know a lot of really hard topics in my uh, eight hours a day at work and then on saturdays i work at a private practice my own business where i'm starting it i just started in july and so far, so good. I have a couple Filipino clients and I speak Tagalog in my sessions and it's so great. Wow. <laughs> to, <nice>. utilize, <laughs> to utilize that. It's kind of fun a little bit to, for them to like come in and they're like, what? <laughs> You're going to do this? And I'm like, mm-hmm, we're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and it's not even just like an accent. Like it's full on full like. Tagalog and it's it's fun for me to just like experience that for myself Mm -hmm. proving myself to only myself and so that's cool and then I am starting a podcast for therapists and it's gonna be (gasps) called I know I'm really excited oh my god oh my god (laughs) I love it I know know. I'm super excited and it's gonna be called therapeutic bullshit (gasps) I love it Yes. I'm like, how soon and are you ready to getting this up? Yes, <laughs> we want to listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. And it's just really for therapists to own their shit and that they suck. They will suck sometimes at their jobs. And if you're not aware of sucking, then you're going to do harm for our clients. So we're, we're, it's, it's about me and my friend, Lindsay, who talk about our experiences in session and how what I think and how I feel immediately affects the person that's coming into my session. And if I'm not aware of that, I could be missing the mark or not actually being there for them. Mm -hmm. So we even talk about like small snippets where like in the middle of the session, I'm thinking of having sex with my partner. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, you shouldn't be thinking about that right now. She's talking about her husband dying. So what are you doing? Right. Yeah. So it's wow. like real, real shit that therapists don't talk about. So it's going to be stuff like that. And, and then teaching us and teaching other therapists to like, just 
notice that you're human and you're not God in the session and that's normal. I want to ask you a question, Marjorie and Jen, you can cut it out if, if you don't want it in, but it reminded me of you starting your sessions and kind of feeling weird the last time we talked about it, about the person that you were seeing. And maybe we could get Marjorie's take on that. Just like, hmm. what would you recommend if like, you don't know if you're connecting with your therapist or not? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm happy to share. I was going to share it anyway. Okay, <laughs> um, great. <laughs> okay, okay, so a little background. A couple months ago, I was uh, diagnosed with mild depression. And my doctor had immediately wanted to prescribe me like antidepressants at like the lowest whatever yeah. dosage. I ended up not uh, taking those antidepressants uh, because I wanted to talk to a therapist first before considering taking antidepressants. I was like, why is my doctor giving this to me right away? I was just kind of skeptic. I mean, I'm, I've been skeptical of like antidepressants in general, just because I just heard enough horror stories and to, to think like, okay, I don't know if that's going to work. It's kind of like, I, I personally don't do birth control anymore. Just, uh, and this is even like while I was dating before I met my husband, just because mm -hmm. when I used to do birth control, it would, I would like gain weight from it. And, and then I found that when I got off of it, I started to just naturally shed weight again and, you know, just all these things. So I just, I don't like putting mm -hmm things that aren't natural, like in my body. And my skin is always like the best reflection of that. If my skin breaks out because I have eczema, then I know what I'm putting in my body is like not good for me. Um, anyway, I uh, was able to get a, I believe she was a psychologist. At our first session, I felt like she, like she was affirming and she was like really listening and whatever and validating me. And I thought, oh, cool. I'm going to have another session with her. But it was the second mm -hmm. session where I was completely turned off. First mm -hmm. of all, I showed up on time, but she came in like five, 10 minutes late and then, and then she ended on time. So, so like, oh. even though she came late, she ended on time, meaning she cut out, like she cut like five, 10 minutes out of my session, maybe even mm -hmm. 15 minutes. And then when I was talking to her, I just kind of felt like, uh, she was listening the whole time, which of course, yeah, I appreciate. But then at the end she was like, okay, so do you want to schedule another session? Like it, 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 I felt like I was kind of like cut off and immediately put into, mm -hmm. okay, you want to go to the next session? And I was like, oh, well, yeah. And basically what there was a part of me that was expecting that she would give me some call to actions, you know, like some things yeah. to like consider or something, but it seemed like mm -hmm. the next thing she wanted to do was just schedule an appointment. So I really mm -hmm. like sat on that for a while. And I actually was supposed to see her last Wednesday. But since then, like since even even before uh, I started seeing her, my husband started getting uh, CBD oil because as a veteran, um, we found this company that sells CBD oil, like quality CBD oil at wholesale prices for veterans. And so I just I'm just kind of cool. freeloading off, off of him. But yeah. but that that's a CBD oil made such an incredible difference for me. Like yeah. I didn't realize I was depressed, like no joke until I started taking it because what, whatever dark cloud I had over me that I didn't realize, like mm -hmm. I thought that was normal, it's gone. And, yeah. um, yeah, and even I started podcast, like doing these podcasts in the evenings, which I don't, you know, I don't mind doing in the evenings because that's usually the time where I would get like the most depressed, but mm -hmm. I don't feel that way anymore. I feel, I just, I, I feel like whenever a trigger happens now, it's like, 
like, it's not really a trigger. It's more like, oh, okay, that happened. What should I do with that? It's not like, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't go into this deep depression of like, oh, my life, this is the reason why, you know, like, I, I don't try to like add up all the pieces and, and write a very sad narrative about myself. It's more like, yeah. okay, so the situation, what am I going to do about it? So anyway, I was supposed to meet her last week, but I had decided, I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm just going to like, I could have gone back. I could have talked to her. I could have told her how I felt, but I also didn't want to go out of my way to like, it just didn't, it didn't feel like, it was, yeah, it didn't feel like it was, yeah, that too. It didn't feel like she was serving me. And, and so I just decided not to go, but I'm curious, like I, maybe, I don't know if I just had bad luck or if most therapists are like this, but I'm curious to kind of get your take on like my experience with her, especially after that second counter with her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. I think those are definitely very, very valuable feedback for therapists to hear so if there's other therapists out there who's listening to this podcast please (laughs) take note it's not okay to do that so I will say one there are therapists out there that absolutely absolutely suck because it's Mm -hmm. actually really easy to get a diploma and then like call it good right Mm -hmm. so much like any other profession out there some people are just actually really sucky at the jobs that they do and that they're not meant to be in that career And then Mm. two, I always tell my clients or future clients that they need to shop is like finding the perfect bra. If it doesn't feel comfortable and it doesn't fit you, no work is going to be done because you're going to come in resenting me, right? And I'm going to be so confused about Mm. what, you know, like we're not connecting and it's not good. I mean, I could be the person to be like, yo, I'm feeling some weird tension. Is there something you're not telling me? <laughs> and if so, you need to tell me because otherwise I'm going to continue doing this shit and you're not going to like it. So I think that's why that also, no one tells us to do that, to go shop for your therapist. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you can't just be friends with everybody. You know, you find your people. Yeah. And your therapist should be your people. And then was your therapist white? She, she looked... I think she mentioned she was from Hawaii, but I th- oh. that's that's basically white. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm, if anyone was from Hawaii, you can slap my face. You tell me otherwise. But no, she she. I think she mentioned she was, she was from Hawaii, but she she looked she, she looked white, but she had like black hair. So I don't know if she was just a mix of some sorts. Yeah. Maybe maybe like a okay. like a Japanese American. I probably gather mm. I f- like it, it. She looked. She just didn't look like a white white person (laughs) okay cool all right but yes sometimes too if she was white or for other people out there who are people of color going to a white therapist there is a thing that does happen where we do express like how we feel as people of color and they don't know what to do with that and so Mm. they become dismissive of how we feel and try to like get us back unintentionally unconsciously into sort of like colonization again unknowing whoa i know (laughs) i know it's really harmful fucking bitches uh, i'm just kidding (laughs) get her sit together and 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 learn about this it's actually not that hard right so i i think when it comes to therapy it needs to be serious you Mm -hmm. you have to find your right person well, I lo- I appreciate that. And I, I do want to 
I, I I've decided like I canceled her for now, but I want to call in again to speak mm-hmm. to another therapist. So I, I do want to yeah. consider like shopping around. I'm also just considering of just hiring a life coach. And I think Nani knows yep. which one I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> um, do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I might do that just because with this particular person, she is Filipino, you know who I'm talking about. And she's very like action oriented and she just gets it. So that's, I've been thinking a lot about that. And I had told her, I was like, well, let me seek out therapy first um, and see what it's like. And then I'll consider like, mm-hmm. you know, hiring you after that. So, so that's kind of been on my mind right now, but I do want to see if I can find another therapist, uh, even, even if I end up uh, hiring her. Yeah. yeah, and what I, I had say- told Jen was that that's not an abnormal experience to have when you're first mm-hmm. starting out, like seeking therapy. So I, I know that it's discouraging because I went through that as well, and I gave up after that. But now, like years later, I wish I hadn't. I wish I would have just been like, okay, well, she sucked. Let me try again. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This yes. Why I don't want people out there being therapists who suck. So. <laughs> They're ruining it. it for me. <laughs> <laughs> And, and also, I will say there's also another, because I want to also talk about that just a little bit for those out there who want to listen, therapy and life coach or like spiritual work is very different. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to figure out what do you need, because if you're coming to a therapist to tell you what to do, we're not going to give it to you because that's mm. not what we're there for. Right? Can you kind of outline um, the differences for us? Yeah, absolutely. So in therapy, we're there as a witness and to sort of do the sorting while you talk, as long as like saying like, hey, I'm hearing you say this and I'm noticing that and then using certain techniques to like change the narrative for you and whatever you need, whether that's a thought, a behavior, or just to heal from other things and build empowerment. So it's not a whole lot of me telling you what to do. Mm. Actually, never, never ever will I tell anyone what to do in my sessions. I will give them homework, but you're more than welcome to not do them. Like it's really up to you and utilizing those skills. And then life coach, it's sort of like the guidance. Like Mm -hmm. I am right next to you and we're both gonna do the thing and I am your backbone. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I will, right. I will, yeah, I will trudge this pathway with you, which is super cool. And then like spiritual, it's about spiritual. So a lot of mm-hmm. existential, what's more than just being human and life and death and who am I and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, it really kind of depends on like, what particular way do you want your needs to get met? So, so I went through this intensive spiritual coaching for a year uh, before, like this was back in what year was that now? Anyway, it was uh, it was before I moved, so last year to it, like so 2017. <laughs> it was for about a year yeah. long, and yeah, exactly what you said. It was about like understanding my existence and purpose in the world, and it really mm-hmm. um, centered me and make me, to say the least, it made me feel like I was enough. Even if I didn't know my purpose, it didn't matter. It wasn't about like knowing all the answers. It was about just being enough and just acting and just acting accordingly, like knowing that you're enough. And so I feel like I'm in a place now where. 
And I've, I've never been like one to like have anyone hold me accountable for things. Like I usually just like to count on myself, but this year, mm -hmm. the theme for me this year is, has been asking for professional help. So, you know, I got physical therapy earlier this year and then I tried therapy, which currently on hold, mm -hmm. but I do see myself. Oh, and, and I'm part of a six week workout challenge. <laughs> so there's that. Yep. And, and then now I'm considering of hiring a, a life coach, like for myself, just because I've got to a place now where it's like, okay, cool. I've done, I've done all the work I could for myself. And now I want, I want someone else to like, kind of look at me and, and help me go to whatever the next level looks like for me. Yeah. So good. Well, anyway, I love, I love hearing like the work that you're doing, uh, Marjorie, and it sounds like you're very passionate and also almost enraged uh, with what you do because you want, you want other therapists to represent th your profession yeah. well. And so I am very much looking forward to your podcast show when it comes <laughs> out, like, please let us know. We'd love to just have you on the show again, just to talk oh, about yeah. it and maybe do some like, like just cross promoting, I guess you can say. Perfect. <laughs> And so I, I want to go ahead and just go to really my favorite part of the show, because I know it's been about an hour now and I want to respect everyone's time, mainly my time because it's almost bedtime. Not that I sleep early, oh, yeah. but anyway, <laughs> I don't sleep early. <laughs> I'm just talking out of my ass. No, actually, I'm doing pretty well. I'm not, I didn't even drink coffee. So, so the purpose... Uh, yeah, thank you. The purpose of this project is to collect a series of life lessons and stories told by the Filipino American woman uh, to one day mm -hmm. publish a book in which we can share to our fellow community. And so, uh, Marjorie, today, when I when I had asked you what's a life lesson you wanted to share, you had mentioned uh, that self-awareness is key to cultivating a purposeful and meaningful life. I'd love for you to elaborate on that and also share maybe uh, an aspect of your life, maybe a, a moment or a memory that led you to making this the life lesson that you wanted to share with us today. Mm. Okay. Ooh, this one's always so interesting. Anything that has anything to do about me talking about myself always somehow leaves me like with a blank mind. So I wrote some things down to make sure. Good. I'm <laughs> glad I you did. On yes. Okay. So self-awareness. I really actually, so I'm one of those people who can fall asleep, quote unquote, to my life pretty easily. Any sort of discomfort or actually just any sort of discomfort, whether that's having nervous feeling to a sad feeling to a happy feeling or any of those things that is beyond what I find comfortable, I can shut down my body and sort of dissociate and just be a living body where people don't really know that I'm shut down. And so I was really curious about that. And I was like, hmm, I'm really curious why do I want to shut down and just be invisible? Which mm. I think is, is definitely one of the interesting things. Like Filipinos are so invisible to the world and yet we're everywhere. Yeah. Right. And I was like, is this, is this like part of our narratives as Filipinos to be invisible? And then I was looking at like some of my family. I'm like, mm, they're not invisible. I mean, they're doing things and they're pretty awesome. And, but some of us still stay in that uh, invisibility cloak for more than, a, more than other people. Mm -hmm. So 
All right. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a quick second here to give a shout out to one of our newest Diva Project podcast fans, Everett Orinion. Thank you so much, Everett, for joining us at thephilamwoman.com. Your support for the show is greatly, greatly appreciated. It wasn't until grad school where I took a career therapy class and I learned about the Enneagram because I told you I was an Enneagram nerd. And it's a tool or special skill template, if you will, to getting to know who you are and why do you do the things that you do. And anything that has anything to do with depth work, I am into. So I found out that I was a peacemaker slash mediator type of person. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. And they're generally invisible to the world. They Mm -hmm. don't feel... Yeah, they don't feel that they are important, right? You know, somehow in their growing up, they have perceived that other people's stuff are more important than them. And so much so that if I were to say something of my opinion or of my anger, of my sadness, that it will get shut down. So I had a hard time believing that if I were to be myself, truly, truly myself, that people will leave me. So Mm. I've learned, I know, and that actually everything, everything that motivates me is so that people don't leave me. My fear is separation. My fear is losing people that I love and that they won't love me for who I am, which makes sense now with the whole like being both Filipino and white right? I mean, you can't accept me for both of those things that I am. So what else can I do but be invisible? Um, Wow. So (laughs) no, it's been a lot of work. (laughs) Go to therapy for that. That would be a good goal. So it's been a very interesting journey. And it wasn't until I learned the deep, deep, deep darkest parts of myself did I realize like whoa you are so afraid of showing up as a biracial woman queer woman and to be authentically that and for Mm. people for people who are not even in my life to like not be connected to you like how sad is that so yeah uh (laughs) I, it wasn't until I found that and then sort of like work your way back up and say to yourself, like, wait a minute, you're actually really cool and you can be an advocate for those who feel invisible and for those who feel like they're not important and that they matter in this world and that their opinions matter. And so by learning that, I've found my purpose. I I always thought that I would somehow reach people in my own way, whatever that would be, to help them be their most amazing self, to, for them to achieve their own amazing greatness. So I think that's why I love self-awareness work or self-growth work, is that's where you find your gift and that your gift actually comes really easy to you. And you shouldn't really hide it. (laughs) And 
life every day feels better when you know you're utilizing those things and you know where it's going. Yeah. Wow. I'm like lost, uh, lost of words right now. <laughs> I'm, I love it. I, I love everything that you said. It, yeah, I do. <laughs> Nani, do, is, do you want to save me here? I, I need a process. I, <laughs> I do. And I almost feel like if I keep talking, we're going to be on this call for like the whole night because I feel like Marjorie, you just opened a whole nother can of worms with that <laughs> statement of my fear is losing people. I think that rings so true for me. And that is at the core of everything that I do is my, and I, and I, I can't understand it. I didn't even really, I wasn't able to identify it until you just said that just now. And so many things started clicking Mm -hmm. and obviously I, I need some more time to, to work through that, (laughs) but that's huge. And I also really love what you said about self-awareness is how you find your gift because that makes a lot of sense too. And I think that a common problem that a lot of people have, not just in our Filipino American community, but our generation is they're not self-aware. And that's why this is such a big movement right now, because it has the power to like profoundly change your life. If you just Mm -hmm. learn how to understand yourself and it's amazing to me how many people don't know how to do that because I thought I was the only one. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I have like goosebumps after you just finish talking right now. Oh, good. Cause that's my purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for saying that. I still feel kind of shocked, but in a good way, kind of like, damn, that was really good. And so something for me, like I, I feel, I feel for you when you say, that you know you're afraid of losing people because i lost my dad when i was 10 and so i had real abandonment issues for a very long time my my mentality before was like i had different mentalities one mentality was like well i'm just gonna hang around but not be too attached because people end up leaving me anyway or i would get to this place where i would leave them first i'd already Mm kind of disqualify myself or cut them out of my life, like almost immediately. Or so just they like, couldn't this- hurt you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and I became my own best friend and, and everything because at the end of the day, I knew that I had me. And so journaling was a big thing for me, especially after I lost my dad and growing up, you know, having an upbringing where your family didn't really, uh, didn't really embrace my curiosity and expressing mm-hmm. myself. I always resorted to journaling. And so yeah. I feel like I feel very, I feel very proud that I have a very close relationship with myself. Like I, I talk to my, my inner child very often. Her mm-hmm. name is Jennifer, which is my full name actually. <laughs> so cool. And yeah, whenever I feel, and this is what I learned through my, my spiritual coaching was that like, whenever I feel anxious or something, I just check in with her and I say, Jennifer, what's going on right now? Talk to me. Like, how are you feeling? And it's so mm-hmm. funny because I've, I've gotten in so tune with her that she, she will just like, just just 
say whatever she wants. She's like, I'm upset. Yeah. She'll just, she'll just like talk even before, like I ask her and this is me talking to myself, by the way. So, you know, this is me talking over myself, being upset, saying something like, why did, why did he walk over us like that? We need to go back there and tell him that was Mm -hmm. not nice. She would say things (laughs) like that. And she's, she's really like my motivation to uh, defend her, but really defend myself for, Mm -hmm. because in my upbringing, I didn't, I didn't get a lot of that. I, I, what I needed the most was to feel not provided for, but protected. And I had, I was in a lot of situations where I didn't feel safe and I wasn't protected. And so part of my resolve today, and and I think this is why I tend to be very motherly with a lot of my friends is because I'm trying to protect them as I'm trying to protect my inner child and what, what she had to grow up with. So I think like, it sounds, it sounds crazy to people who are not in touch with their inner child, but let me tell you, when you get in touch with your inner child, however you figure that out, whether it's through spiritual coaching, mm-hmm. you know, life coaching, or even through therapy, like once you mm-hmm. get in touch with with her or however you identify he, she, or if you're non-binary, whatever, like whatever you do, do it. And and you're just going to see how, how powerful it is to be in touch with yourself. Because once you do, it's like part of why I make fun of myself a lot on the show and, and most of the outtakes are me making fun of myself is because... I, I enjoy that I'm imperfect. You know, I enjoy that now mm-hmm. as opposed to back then I would be so hard on myself for stuttering or saying my ums or ahs or like just not knowing what to say. So yeah, yeah I think self-awareness is such a beautiful thing. And I love how you said that it's how you find your gift. And I I think like, I mean, I can't like pinpoint my gift, but I know it has something to do with this podcast. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just thank you, Marjorie, for sharing that. And, you know, to be quite honest, I don't, I mean, unless you guys have somewhere to go, I can keep talking. (laughs) So, but no, I'm, I'm glad. Like I, I always, I never really have like a set time for these shows. I just think they need to go as long as they need to go on. We just have like some set questions. And this was really the, the last uh, question that I wanted to ask. I think it really uh, ties in everything that we talked about from the very beginning of feeling like an other, because other people made us feel other we we've convinced ourselves like we've alienated ourselves from ourselves mm-hmm. and so oh i think God, like yeah. part of the, yeah and so i think part of the narrative now is like you know what i'm i'm gonna not alienate myself anymore mm-hmm. and you know start there and once i solidify that it doesn't matter how other people talk to me it doesn't matter what they say it doesn't matter if they say i'm a white girl or i'm not enough i'm not enough period mm-hmm. like whatever it may be because you have like such a tight-knit relationship with yourself and you've no longer alienated yourself. And I think beautiful things will come out of that. Like when we all get to that place. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, I know what your gift is just based on this whole thing, but. (laughs) Oh, Oh, can you tell me? I'm curious. I'm not, not because I have like low self-esteem, but I I always love feedback. So, so yeah, what's my gift? (laughs) Let me tell you. Well, first, I want to preface because I do know that sometimes, because I'm a therapist, I feel like I should do this. But one, I want to say, like, sometimes compliments or me saying what people's gifts are can be a trigger. Like, Mm. whether that's something that someone they didn't like said those things to them. And that also, like, me saying a gift that I feel like you have could also just be a projection of what I want you to be in my Mm. life. Okay. So, yes. So what I think your gift is, you're ready. Take a deep breath. Yes, my mouth is like wide open right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think your gift is you paved the way for us to be inspired and to sort of make our own. Yeah. Does that make sense? You are very motivating. Yeah. Thank you. Inspiring. And like you're doing the thing and we're like, okay. She's like a natural leader. We kind of just follow by nature. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm, I'm getting that. Oh, okay, well, cool. thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I embrace that. And I, yeah, I appreciate that because really with this podcast, the, it is my, my wish for it is to pave a path for all of us, for us to pave together, actually, because I, I only have so many tools and resources and I don't want to do all the work, but yeah, thank you. I, I, that's, that's very, that's very affirming. And I I'm speechless again. You you two make me speechless like this entire, <laughs> <laughs> entire episode today. But thank you. I I appreciate I appreciate that so much. And I'm excited to edit this because then I get to hear that again. <laughs> I think that just goes back to what Marjorie said in the beginning, or not in the beginning, but a couple of minutes ago about finding your gift is about self-awareness and it's really not that hard. It's funny to hear that for me because it's like I'm sitting here doing all this work trying to find my gift and like Jen you're putting in all this work for the podcast to find your gift and we're already doing it you know what I mean you're already using your gift you're here already making creating things with it so sometimes I think we have to all remember that it's not always as complex as we think it is so what's not yeah what's my (sighs) gift Well, <laughs> so let me think, of, let me take a minute. Let me take a minute. I want to make sure I say it very nicely or not, 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 not like, not like I was going to be mean about it, but I'm just trying to, I want to find the right words to explain it. I think for me, based on what I know of you so far, Nani, well, first of all, I think you're very articulate, even though you don't know like the direction of your life or anything. When we first spoke that was one of the first things that stood out to me is that you were able to articulate that you didn't know what you were doing with your life <laughs> in, in a very eloquent way, whether, whether you knew it or not. I think you are, I think you are courageous to, I think you're courageous in a way that you wanted to be involved in this project, even though you didn't know what was going to come of it. And I think you're organized and I think you're thoughtful and detail oriented. And I think that once you find out like, you know, your niche, your niche, especially with your, your blog and stuff, it's going to be really powerful because you're already an articulate person. And once, once, once you find whatever that is you're looking for, it's just going to skyrocket. And I am just excited to be there, to be a part of that when, when it happens. Yes. Thank Mm. you. Thank you, Jen. Wow. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) This is fun. I I feel like we're just like, hanging out in someone's living room and just we totally are <laughs> I mean yes <laughs> I love we it we just need some cocktails <laughs> mm-hmm. perfect yeah perfect. or some CBD oil <laughs> yes yeah you know Washington Washington isn't too far from the Bay Area so That's we're gonna true. have to like I know I'm now just I don't know why I keep forgetting but my really close family I have really close family in I don't know how to say it. Is it Gig Harbor or Gigi Harbor? 
Mm-hmm. Gig Harbor. That's literally like 10 minutes away from where I work. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have family. Yeah. They moved up there. They were in California. They moved there a year, maybe two years already now. Maybe it's been mm-hmm. even longer. I don't know, but I still have not been up there to see them yet. So I have got to get that on my to-do well, list. Then. <laughs> I will let you know when, you I, know when I'm go. in town. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. You know, it's oh. it sounds to me, Nani, that you're going to have a, a big year next year because I know you're going to the Philippines and I think you mentioned you were going somewhere else, right? Like you're going to Singapore? Yeah, we're in a Singapore just for the last four days of the Philippines trip. Mm-hmm. And okay. who knows? May, maybe I'll, uh, maybe we can coordinate something where I come over to, I feel like we're not even recording anymore, where we go to the, <laughs> where I go and visit the Bay Area, but we kind of tour around and, and just meet all the amazing yes. women we've like interviewed and stuff so yeah. maybe that could be that could probably be like a fun summer trip but l- let's that... let's see how this plays out let's keep okay. talking about it yeah. yeah yeah we'll just keep it on the on the books and we'll we'll figure out a time next next year maybe spring or summer that we could do that that would be really fun maybe check in with everybody that we've interviewed over here Yes, I think that we'll would do be a tour. Excellent. Yes, yeah, that's what I was thinking. We could definitely do a tour. I would love, I would love to do that. Oh, I love um, that idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Well, ladies, I am just so grateful for both of you and your time. Mm-hmm. You know, Nani co-hosting as always. Marjorie, I just appreciate. I've I've learned so much from you in this episode. I it just I just feel like we've been in the same room just getting to know you and and learning your story and and sharing, exchanging stories and experiences. And I feel like I already know you. I feel like you're already like a girlfriend of mine. If you'll, if you'll accept, if you'll accept my friendship. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, cool. Cool. Yes. I got a new friend. Yeah. And, and so uh, do you have any, any closing thoughts for us? And uh, particularly, let's say the listeners who feel misplaced, who feel like an other. Mm. Do you have any thoughts for them? Ooh, thoughts for those who feel othered. Hmm. Make sure to find, oh, I don't know. That's a really hard one because everyone is othered. But at least in the Filipino culture, find your people. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I would say find your humans, find your people who actually accept you for who you are. That is the start of you loving yourself without having to like constantly prove who you are when you're in that spot where you feel accepted and loved and belonged. You build a stronger armor for those moments when you feel othered. Mm. Word. Kind of like right now, right? You know, you guys are going to be part of like my armor now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Yes. Yes, armor. Well, cool. Well, Marjorie, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, connecting with you. And I know this is not the last time we're going to have a conversation with you. But for anyone that wants to if anyone wants to reach out to you until then, how can they do that? Yeah. Uh, you are more than welcome to follow me on my Instagram. And it's MKW, or yeah, it's MKW Counseling, I believe, is what it says. 
Yes, it is. I'll look <laughs> it. I'll like, look. Oh, I'll look it up for you real quick. MKW. <laughs> yes, MKW yes, counseling. Everyone, MKW counseling yes. on Instagram. <laughs> please, please go ahead and uh, follow me. I hope that you know you'll like the content that I put out. It's really geared towards counseling and self empowerment and self awareness. Um, you're more than welcome to, if you're wanting to connect with me, I have my link of my website on that, on Instagram. And if you know anyone in my area, in Washington, specifically Tacoma uh, area that wants counseling, you're more than welcome to use my website as well as Psychology Today to look me up. Anything else? Oh, Stay tuned for my future podcast called Therapeutic Bullshit. Uh, we have an Instagram <laughs> on there. Uh, <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm hoping that at least in two weeks that uh, we'll put up our first three episodes. So until then, stay tuned. Awesome. I dig it. Yeah. We will. Cool. <laughs> yes, I will definitely subscribe to that. I think I'm going to enjoy that very much. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Nani, I, I want to thank you again for co-hosting as always. Yes, it is my pleasure. And your audio sounds excellent today. Yay. <laughs> I'm gonna, now that I know how to work these headphones, I'm going to use them going forward. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Like I was already content with how you sounded. But I was like, whoa, I can hear you. I can really <laughs> hear you now. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, but anyway, that's aside the point. Yes, thank you so much, Nani. And thank you again, Marjorie. And thank you to our listeners. If this show had resonated with you in any way, which I believe it did, uh, please reach out and you can leave us a message. You can email us or you can reach out to Marjorie. Uh, if you just enjoy listening, if you felt like your cup was it was filled just for listening, then that's great too. But yeah, check out the show notes if you want to get a hold of us. With that said, I want to thank you all for listening and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.